Consider this your fair warning. We talk fast, we move fast, we swear fast. So if you're listening at 2 speed, you may miss some content, but you also miss the F-bombs. You're welcome. This is Ask Your Workwife College Edition, where Vanessa and Holland go back to school. We're answering the five most important questions we get from college students who are headed into corporate America. We want to make sure you are set up for success before you even get that diploma in hand. Let's fucking go. What we're talking about for this episode is how to find your first job after graduation. Now, I want you to know we talked about how to get that three to five years of experience for the jobs that require three to five years experience. Which is all of them. Immediately out of college, right? (laughs) That's the previous episode in the series. It's going to be episode 27. So for anyone who is a little bit later to the game, this is the oh shit moment. I've been doing nothing but finding myself for three to five years and I don't have that experience. What do I do now? Here's the answer. It's the same thing as what we just described in episode 27, except for it's now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're going to condense that timeline just a little bit. Condense it, put it like, you know, if you're a junior, if you're a senior, if you're post-grad, that's not the term. If you've just graduated, Mm -hmm. you just do it now. You start it over. And we're going to, we're going to talk through what that really means for this time in your life, as opposed to when you're in school. If you've just come from our last episode, we outlined what essentially is three moves. You're in your summers between semesters. Those are three moves. We're going to take those three summers and put them post-graduation, which is essentially the first couple steps in your first three moves. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, wait, I'm not in college. I've not been in college for some time now. If you're like us, is there someone in your life who needs this episode? My little sister, we've been talking about this stuff for seven years. And you know what? She's doing a great job. <laughs> I think everyone with little sister has been a college advisor at some point. Right? I did this with my sister. And and I wish I'd had a resource like this. It was like, hi, I'm not going to spend my 20 hours because they're now worth $125 an hour. Uh-huh. You're welcome. I'm just going to give you this content. And it's exactly what I would have told you. Exactly. I'm also planning on giving this content to my son when he's 14, 15, 16. Go off. Right. So share with your little sister. Share with your sorority sisters. Share with your cousin, your niece your nephew obviously (laughs) send our instagram ask your work wife we'd love to have him so it's time to find your first job after graduation what do you do if you haven't been able to take those steps that we recommended in episode 27 you first need a resume and in order to do that in order to build a really strong resume with little to no experience you need to take stock of what you've really done so look at your classes look at your experiences look at the papers you've written and and turn them into bite-sized chunks of statements for your resume you may have to get a little creative with this we've all seen the memes these are usually on linkedin and they go a little something like this how would you write i changed the light bulb on your resume I single-handedly managed the successful upgrade and deployment of new environmental illumination system with zero cost overruns and zero safety incidents. Amazing. Amazing. That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're mining whatever experience you may have for quality impact. Mm -hmm. You can even reach back into high school. You can reach back into like, were you on any kind of sports team, any kind of club, any, even, even like weird nerdy clubs are fine too. I founded the Harry Potter Quidditch team in my high school. Okay. Did it show up on my resume first grade out of college? Yes, it fucking did. <laughs> the real question is, how did you phrase that? Coordinated the successful um, launch of a brand new service opportunity within our organization. that Which spoke- resulted in the fundraising. I don't know what you do, like events, planning, fundraising, like revenue generation for mm-hmm. events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it helped decrease the average time spend wasting time. <laughs> you know, like what, whatever like, it is. Qual- like, yeah, like yeah. just just quantify it in any conceivable way. Put totally. it on your resume. Mm-hmm. If, if you've done anything that has been handling money or client facing or like customer facing or like public facing, 
See if you can get those into your resume. Like anything you can do that speaks to those two skills, you'll want to get in there. Yeah. If you went to church, if you volunteered, if you went on any kind of like service mission, yeah, mission trip, like you want to go build houses in Mexico for two weeks for poor people. Great. How many houses? How many people? How many hours? How many supplies? Did you have to do any fundraising to get yourself on that trip? Like awesome. Great. Use it. Abuse it. (laughs) Do it. It's for a good cause. Uh Uh-huh. The good cause being the rest of your life. And your job. Yeah. Once you've done that, your next step is to get a job and you're going to look for things that you're overqualified for. You might think, oh my God, I have a college degree. I'm better than that. Uh Uh-uh. Lose your ego. Sit the fuck down. Apply for jobs you're overqualified for. What we really want to get out of this is 12 months in a roll on a resume. Because everyone who started before you, everyone who started between their freshman and sophomore year, they have, turns out, 12 (laughs) months on a resume. Like nine to 12 months on a resume. There you have it. You need to get that. That's your first move. In addition to applying for jobs you're overqualified for, the other thing you want to look for is a similar job but in a small market. So you're looking for a writing position in a really small town because chances are it's a one or two man band situation and you get more responsibility, more experience, and probably a better title on the way out. So for example, I was looking to move back into creative after law. I went to a small town on purpose because a small town is not as competitive as a big town. If I'm looking to be in tech, if I move to San Francisco, it's highly competitive. If I take a look at where other tech centers might be, I'm looking at maybe Austin. Austin's too popular right now, so more competitive. I'm looking at Denver. Denver used to be a thing. You know, it's right a thing right now, Utah. Mm-hmm. Like Utah's great. It's a small market, maybe not as deep a talent bench. So with even half the skills requisite for a San Francisco job, you can find one in Utah. I I did this in Idaho. I went to Idaho Falls, a small market, found something creative. I walked in for a writing job. Within six weeks, I was editor of a magazine. (laughs) Casual. (laughs) Okay. And she liked it. That's what happens in small towns. So by the time I got ready to move back to a big market, Houston, I had magazine editor on my resume. I had three to five years experience as a magazine editor. Maybe it wasn't the largest subscription base. It wasn't the biggest, I mean, I wasn't the editor of Vogue, obviously, but I had some understanding of every part of that industry and what it took to get there. And I'll tell you the little side project I did about like digitizing our ads and monetizing a digital ad revenue is exactly what landed me my job today, paid media. So like it works. You might, you might take a look at small markets and how they will lead in three moves to big markets. Your second move is to, after that 12 months are done, after that one year in that first job, get more specialized. So this is the time maybe when you're getting closer to your industry, you're in your industry, but you're getting more, um, a more higher skills job. You're kind of dream vertical adjacent. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the receptionist at the tech company you want to work for, right? You don't want to be a receptionist, but you're at least there. You're at least hobnobbing. You're at least getting access to these people and being able to show off the skills that you're learning or growing or acquiring. Exactly. Take another year or two there. And then your third move is entry level job in your dream vertical. You went from being the admin to being the assistant brand manager. You went from being the, the receptionist, receptionist to the actual tech associate. Like, right. Exactly. Programming one. Yeah, exactly. Junior programmer. Jun- junior programmer sub one. Like <laughs> yeah, whatever the bottom one. is. <laughs> you went from the mail room to the person actually on the floor, the sales floor, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's what you're looking for. Perfect. This is the time we get to finish Lydia's story. Yes, finally. So Lydia was the one from episode 27 where she spent her summers lifeguarding. And while her education was spent on something that could have had a lucrative opportunity, because of those lifeguarding summers, she was unemployable when she graduated. So what did Lydia do? 
So Lydia, love her. She she did exactly this. She went and found a receptionist job at a building in Georgetown. And she found this connection through church. So this is a building that was owned by her church. They needed a receptionist. Because she had been involved in the church situation, the people hiring for this position already knew who she was, right? She showed up every Sunday. She contributed to the community. It was awesome. That was the only experience she needed to be able to answer the phone, handle money, let people in the door. So she did that. And by virtue of the fact that she's in a building in D.C., straight down the block from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you have to be trained in certain things. You have to be trained in emergency response training. You have to be trained in terrorist response training. And the government will provide these classes for you. There are community classes, CERT classes, community emergency response training. That's what they stand for. Perfect. And they basically walk you through, like, what to do in an emergency? What's the government going to do? Because D.C. is not a state. It's run by Mm -hmm. the federal government. There are certain things that will happen in D.C. first that won't maybe roll out to the rest of the country because that's governed by the governors rather than the federal government. But as, as a byproduct of this receptionist job, she started learning a different skill. Turns out she's very interested in this. This became something that she like would spend her extra time researching, studying, interested in. Like, how do you how do you build re- resourceful communities? Oh, there's there's a formula for handling a crisis instead of everybody just running around like chickens with a head cut off. Like, this this became a, a topic of fascination for her for a couple of years. She had this job for a few years. Th- this was somewhat related to her degree, her interests from from university, where she was studying geopolitics. She was studying the Middle East. She was fluent in Arabic. Like, you can't study Arabic post 9-11 without having some understanding of terrorism, emergencies, responses. Community impact. Yeah, community impact, how to build resilient communities that can bounce back faster from these things, right? So she started getting really interested in this. After a couple of years, she realized like, I think I want to go into this like as a career. Like I want to take all the knowledge that I've gained over the last six or seven years, that's four years of college plus two years in this job, and turn it into a lucrative career. In order to do that, she felt like she needed a second degree. So she started looking for programs that specialized in this thing, emergency response. She found a program. (laughs) She now is a master of disaster. That's what what it's called. That's fantastic. I know, right? Master of disaster management. And she is working in this field in New Zealand currently. She works for the city of Canterbury, which has the most earthquakes in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she gets to train smaller governments on how to build resilient communities. In addition to this, she's working on a PhD on studying tourists oh. on, in countries mm-hmm, in countries that are specifically, their, their economy is driven by tourism. How do tourists respond to natural disasters? In the middle of this, the COVID pandemic hit. And so you have, she's, <laughs> she has a whole bunch of tourists that are trapped in New Zealand mm. and can't go anywhere. And a whole bunch of people from New Zealand are trapped elsewhere who can't go anywhere for two years. Right. How do those people handle it? And what can we as a community and a government understand to better support those people in the event of natural disaster? Because it's bound to happen. Or a man-made disaster, terrorism. Mm-hmm. So this is turned from a, a slight interest she had as a receptionist job into an entire vertical that's highly lucrative. She's now consulting for governments all across the world doing this. She's doing a great job. So all this is to say your first, second, third move is to gain these skills so that you can put yourself close enough to the industry and gain the skills that you can make the jump into your industry, right? So this third move is really getting the entry level position in your dream vertical because you've gained the requisite skills to get close enough to it, but you're not going to get that just flailing around. This is a calculated, intentional way to get you the experience you need in order to get what you want. I super love this series. The Ask Your Work Wife College Edition makes me so happy. I love, Holland knows this, I love working with teenagers more than probably anything else. She super does. (laughs) One of the things that I realized though is like, 
there are a lot of parents who are not set up to coach their kids through high school, through college, through building a career because the world of corporate America has changed. We talk about this every week on this podcast, (laughs) right? So one thing we'd like to offer specifically during this five week period where (laughs) Vanessa and Hunter go back to school is free career coaching to anyone who's in high school and freshman year college. This is a multi-thousand dollar value thing, (laughs) but we feel so passionately about setting students up for success, getting into corporate America and kind of single-handedly closing that wage gap for women that we are willing to put our time and energy into this unpaid in order to get you what you want. So if you're interested and we hope you are, send us an email at help at askyourworkwife.com and we can't wait to hear from you. We've just talked about the three moves you need to make in order to get that experience that will get you into the industry, the job that you really want. But we need to take a moment to talk about some of the realities of this approach. It it has the potential to wear on your mental health because the rest of society doesn't realize what you're doing. It's going to look like you just spent a whole bunch of money to launch into something. You didn't launch. Yep. Now you're like a receptionist at a church building. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? And you're looking at three years of your crazy aunt. You know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> at every Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, birthday party, family union bullshit asking you, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? And the only thing she knows is that you went to school for underwater basket weaving and you should be a master underwater basket weaver. But suddenly you're a receptionist somewhere. She's not going to be able to connect those dots. She has no idea what the fuck she's talking about. And she's going to ask you questions. She's going to put some judgment into that conversation. It could be a high pressure situation. Totally. Because I would, I would bet that if you're in this situation, there's also a little bit of shame and judgment that's coming from yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. So having like, oh, that, fuck, I didn't know what I was getting into, yeah, what like, I was doing. Yeah. And like, if you didn't graduate with your class, if you didn't like get a job, if you didn't like go into that dream industry that you saw your colleagues going into, I don't know. I'd feel like that sucks. Mm-hmm. I, I experience this right now. Like I have zero problem on this podcast telling you I haven't graduated with my bachelor's degree yet, but sometimes in my group of, there are a whole bunch, actually, here's a confession. There's a whole bunch of people in my group of friends who actually don't know that because I've never brought it up mm-hmm. in conversation with them. We'll be talking about college. We'll be talking about all those experiences. I was right there with them the whole time. They just have put into their memory that I was at graduation with them. Just assume that you were. Yeah. And I don't ever correct them. <laughs> right. And that, that, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we're talking about here is like it, a little bit of guilt, shame. Like, yeah. We're just going to sidestep that because I don't want to face the, the peer pressure of like, Oh, you didn't graduate. Right. So that's happening. That's real. And it's not fun to feel that feeling yourself. It's not fun for your crazy aunt to ask you too. And so our recommendation is this one, write down the plan, know exactly what your three moves are, put them on your mirror, draw it in lipstick. I don't care. Just make sure it's front of mind every day. You know what you're doing and you're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. And you're not losing sight of why you're here at this receptionist job, right? (laughs) Piece of advice. Number two, number two, and this is a life hack. And perhaps the only time I'll tell you to start being dishonest in your dealings with other people. Um, you need to have a project, just like a go-to. Your aunt only wants to like know what's in your life so she can really tell you what's going on in her life, okay? So you, so you, people are the same. So you need to give her a little bit of something that sounds impressive to her and just let the conversation move on. It's just like this little, little bridge to get the conversation off you and back onto her because that's where she wants to go anyway, okay? So my favorite example of this is if you're in any kind of writing field, anything, journalism, teaching, marketing, social, like any of it, right? And it's maybe not going as well for you as you want it to. All you have to do is, you know what? I'm working on a novel mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. If I have friends that are in like any kind of media production and they always have a script in the works, like oh, I'm just working on the script. Working on film. Yeah. And I just like, I'm not ready for any feedback I'm on it. I'm working on a film yeah, and actually, <laughs> right? right? I'm working on a novel. So like, you know, like 
it is kind of it is kind of legit. I touched that novel in 2017. I touched it again in 2020. And I Begin probably, yeah, like maybe <laughs> we'll talk about it. It may be ready for the first draft in 2030. There you go. But like when I don't have anything else to talk about or like when the things I'm working on are like too intimate to share, like I don't want to invite the judgment of other people. I have that to just give them like, oh, I'm working on this novel. And I can talk about that because I'm not emotionally tied to it. Right. Like that's all you need to arm yourself with when you walk into family situations during this three year period. My other favorite hack for this is travel. I'm planning a trip to wherever. Even if you have no money in the budget to travel, you're planning a trip to somewhere always, right? Everyone has an opinion on where you're traveling. Exactly. And what you should do. Oh my God. That's actually so much better and easier, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't care what it is. Just have that little something you're not emotionally attached to. can make a conversation. It's just a, it's just a little mental health hack. So I, I hope that helps for anyone who's really at that, like, oh, it's it's day one senior year. I, I used to call this the shit or get off the pot moment, right? Like, are we really doing this? This episode is for you. We, we hope that we've helped you see that, like, you're not in as dire situation as you might think because you don't have, you know, a six-figure job offer lined up already because of something you did last summer. I know what you did last summer. It's fine. Pop culture <laughs> you didn't do last summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you didn't do. Okay, that's a different kind of horror movie, actually. I know what you didn't do last summer. You didn't get your job shit together. <laughs> so not all is lost. You don't need to take a shit job. But if you take a shit job, make sure it's working for you. question for Ask Your Workwife? Record your question and email the recording to help at askyourworkwife.com. Include your name, your city if you want, and whatever context might be useful for us to know. And don't forget to start with, hey, workwives. Like, oh, I'm working on this novel. And I can talk about that because I'm not emotionally tied to it, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's this dystopian thing about this girl who, like, is a, is a photographer and she develops film and then she takes these pictures of things she's not supposed to take pictures of. And, like, suddenly these, like, men in suits are after her and, like, it's wild and, like, this chase and da da da. And, like, I haven't quite decided, like, what she really wants. So I'm kind of a little bit stuck. And then my aunt, God bless her, will never listen to this podcast, will just start giving me advice. Well, maybe she wants this. Maybe she wants this. I'm like, uh huh. Sure. Cool. Ooh, that's a great idea. It's a shit idea, but it's a great idea, right? Like that's all you need to arm yourself with when you walk into family situations during this three-year period. And then turn it around on her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you up to? Yeah. What, what are you up to? And suddenly, <laughs> I love that question because suddenly there's like a little bit of like, oh my God, Vanessa doing something so cool. I have, <laughs> I have to be cooler because suddenly her life looks terrible. Like, I mean, I just like drove across town and I turned this bill in and I